number 37. Genesis chapter number 37. And we will get into the... We have started two weeks ago talking about Joseph. We're going to continue tonight talking on Joseph. And so we will do that. And so... We're going to look tonight at several things. Last week, as we ended our Bible study, we looked at Joseph's dreams. And his dreams, first dream, was basically that someday his brothers were going to bow down before him. The second dream, his brothers and parents, those were quite some dreams that he had. We've talked about in the two weeks we've gone through this passage, we've seen the fact that Joseph's family was not the ideal family. There was a lot of issues in Joseph's family. And so as we look at this tonight, we're going to take our Bibles, Genesis 37, we're going to start looking at some verses tonight, and we're going to go from there. We're going to look at verse number 12, and we're going to read through verse 35. Some of you, that might be more Bible reading than you've done all week, and so... We'll only take a few minutes to go through that. And so Genesis 37, verse number 12. And his brethren went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said unto them, Here am I. And he said unto him, Go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks. And bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brother, pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are, they are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren and found them in Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, how do you know that they, what, how do you, what do you think gave it away when he was just, the coat of many colors? So they see this coat, they know the brother's coming. So it says, and when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. Remember last week how we talked about the envy that the brothers had, the jealousy that had built up? This is what happens when you let things go unchecked inside. This is where they got to the point they hated their brother so much, they wanted to kill him. And so we keep on reading, and it says, And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with the camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. 
And Judah said unto his brother, And what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers were content. What nice guys these guys are, huh? Then, were pa- then there passed by Midianite merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned into the pit, and behold, Joseph wasn't in the pit. And he rent his clothes, and he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat and killed a kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This we have found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. And he knew it and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes and put sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. Father, I pray that you bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. I pray that you would just help us guide our thoughts, guide our direction as we look deeper into the life of Joseph tonight. I believe there are a lot of things in this passage that we just read that really could resonate within some of your people tonight. Help us as we study this out. Help us get what we can from it, from your word tonight. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Any of you ever have big expectations and those expectations get shattered? Or you have dreams and think this is how this is going to turn out? And then it doesn't turn out the way you thought it was going to turn out. And you expected something to be a certain way in life, and then life didn't end up that way. Maybe you had a child, and you thought this child, things were going to turn out a certain way for this child, and it didn't turn out that way. I think sometimes what happens to us is we feel that God has forgotten about us. But God doesn't forget about his children in the midst of what goes on. And I wonder how Joseph felt just listening to his dad, going to check on his brothers, and actually being very diligent in what he did. Probably more diligent than most of us would have been. I wonder what he thought when he was sitting there in that pit. His own brothers were conspiring if they were going to kill him or if they were going to sell him off. I wonder how he felt when he was sold off as a slave. Going into Egypt. As we look at these verses tonight, if there's anything that this passage teaches us, that there are just times when life isn't fair. But there are times we don't get to we don't get to decide how everything turns out. Sometimes the way people act, the things that go on. But I want you to understand tonight, though life is not fair. And it is not fair a lot of times. 
Why do good people suffer and then it seems like bad people don't suffer at times? And you could go down that road and you're never going to get a great answer. And that's not your job to do. Psalm 73 is a great passage to look at. But I want you to understand something tonight. As we look at this passage, there's lots of things we can learn. We're going to start out here tonight. First thing we see, number one, we see Jacob's demand. We see Jacob's demand there in verse 12 through verse number 14. And what do we see? We see Jacob's demand. He tells Joseph, your brothers are out. And what does he do? Letter A, we see his command that he gives. Jacob wants Joseph to go check on the welfare of his brothers. Now, could this be remember before when Joseph was with some of his brothers and he brought back an evil report to his dad? Maybe Jacob didn't trust them. They're gone doing these things. And so we see the command from Jacob is go check on your brothers. Now, as we see this thing, the first thing is we see the fact that they're in Shechem, the Bible tells us. And so that's where Joseph is sent. But you'll notice something, that they're not there. They're someplace else. And so we see Jacob's command, but we also see Joseph's confusion in the matter. Now, you say, what confusion are you talking about with Jacob? We read the passage. Is it easy? Can you tell me, just from what we've read up to this point, that Joseph's brothers don't like him. That they're upset. There's family trouble going on. And Jacob is either choosing to ignore it or he doesn't see it. Because we look at this passage and you look at verse number 4 of chapter 37 here. It says, and they could not speak peaceably with him. They couldn't even respond nice to Joseph in anything. So there's got to be some confusion going on, right? Either Jacob's out of touch with his family or he underestimated the problem in his own family. He may have known that there were issues, but he didn't realize issues were this bad to where he sent his son basically into a bad situation. You know, when we look at this, there's some lessons that we could learn. And think about this, parents. You need to know what's going on in the life of your children. That is so important. And you need to know who their friends are. Because you realize tonight the wrong friends can ruin a life and destroy a testimony. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Parents... You need to know what's going on in your kids' lives. And that's where I, and this is just a side note tonight, we live in a very digital, digitized world around us. And kids play video games all the time and all those things. Do you know, do you know who your kids play their video games with? Do you know the language they use with your kids? Are they even kids? Could there be adults? Up? I'm just throwing things. Do you know? Do you know who your kids play with online? Do you know who they talk to on their social media? A parent should know what's going on in the life of their children. And I could carry this a lot further tonight. And I know you look at it, 
and kids say, well, I'll have my, it's my life, I'll do what I want. No, if they live in your house, it's your business to know what your children do. And you need to know what your children do. That's very important. And parents, I'm just giving you a little thought. All the young people I've dealt with all through the years, almost 14 years now, any major problem a teenager has every single time, I promise you, every single time, has to do with stuff they do on their cell phone every time. There needs to be times, and I'll just give you my personal, this is a personal opinion, not Bible, because the Bible doesn't say anything about cell phones because cell phones weren't around in the Bible. I don't think a young person needs a cell phone. I did fine without one. You're like, well, you were, you're old. You didn't need it back then. I didn't have a pager or anything either back in the day. But pick it up every once in a while and look and see what they do. Keep a close eye on it. Don't let them have passwords that you can't see. I just believe it's an important thing. Passive parents will pay a high price for allowing their children to do as they please. And that's one of the things that we see about, Joseph, about Jacob was the fact that he let his children get away with everything. We could go through each one of the older ones, and they did so many things, they got away with it. Why do you think they got to where they got to? We could go further into those things, but we see... As we dive into these thoughts tonight, we see Jacob's command number two. We see Joseph's devotion to his dad. We see Joseph's devotion. Verse 13, it says, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem. Come, and I will send thee unto them. And look at what Joseph said. Hey, here am I. What we see, letter A, is it was immediate. Without question, Joseph accepts his father's assignment, and he goes and does what his father asks him to do. He knows that there's probably going to be some risks. Joseph wasn't dumb. But obedience to his father's command was his first priority. One of the things that you'll notice as we study Joseph and as we go deeper into the study on Joseph, you'll notice how, like in this regard, the fact that he immediately did what his father wanted him to do Joseph, a lot of the things in Joseph's lives, his life, is a type of Christ and how Christ lived his life. When Jesus came into this world, he was sent by his father, and he came willingly to do what his father wanted him to do. You see the similarities right there. Jesus didn't have to be forced to come into this world to die for us. He willingly came to die so that we could have eternal life. And as we look at this and we think about Joseph here, his dad says you need to go, and what does he do? He just obeys. And our lives, when it comes to the things of God, and when it comes to God telling us what to do, we should be obedient to God as well. Let me just ask you tonight and think in your minds here tonight, when God speaks, how do you respond to him? Do you respond right away or do you take a while? And you've got to understand as we think about those things, Nothing will demonstrate your love for God like obeying Him. The Bible tells us in 1 John 5, verse 2 and 3, it says, By this we know the children of God, when we love God, and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. I remember as a kid, I've used the example before, I got in trouble for something. And I remember going up to my mom and saying, Mom, 
I love you. And, you know, oh, that's so nice. That's not what my mom said. My mom said, if you really do love me, you wouldn't have done what you just did. She said, we all talk, and talk, you can talk a good talk, but talk with no action is just that. And so what it comes down to with the Lord, we need to obey him. And so we see with Joseph, we see his devotion, we see it was immediate. Letter B, we see it was persistent. What did his dad ask him to do? To go to Shechem and check on his brothers, right? When he got to Shechem, were his brothers there? No. So could Joseph have went back home and said, Dad, I went to Shechem, they weren't there. Would he have been obedient to his father? Yes. But no, he, there's a man there, and this man's wondering what he's doing. They talk, and he finds out that his brothers have gone to Dothan, and so he ends up going there as well. And so as we look at this, who wa- was Joseph the one concerned about his brother's welfare? No, his dad was. But do you see the persistence here? You see how he went out of his way. Many would have turned back and gone home, but not Joseph. His father wanted to know these things, and so he did these things. It's another great example and a picture of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus came into this world for the lost sheep of Israel. He pursued them. He went after them. You know how we've been studying on Sunday mornings the book of Mark? And how Jesus went out of his way to reach people in Samaria, in Sidon, and Tyre, and all these different areas. Jesus was persistent. You see that in the life of Joseph right here. And so when we look at these things, there are people who do just enough to get by. And there are people who go above and beyond. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you have it in school. There are kids, the assignment says this, and they're going to barely do the minimum to meet the assignment. Then there are those who go above and beyond. Joseph was a young man that didn't just do the minimum to get by with what Dad said. He went above and beyond with those things. What a great example that is for us as we read the scriptures. And so that's a great thing that we see. So we see Jacob's command. We see Joseph's devotion. And then number three, we see the brothers or Joseph's brothers, the depravity of them. This is, you think about it, how bad this is. This is their own brother. You know, we look in our world today, and sometimes we turn on the news, and we hear stories of someone going into a theater and shooting people. Or, you know, there's that story right now about that guy and his fiance, and the fiance is dead, and they're trying to find and think, how could someone do anything to someone like that? The depravity of man. That's the problem in our world. It's sin. And this is what happens. If you notice, and some people in our world tend to think that the world is going to get better and better. This world's not getting better. The only hope this world has is Jesus Christ. And when we talk about that, we just see the more you sin, the further you get engulfed in it. And that's what we see with Joseph's brothers here. And so we see letter A underneath this. We see the brother's plot. When Joseph arrives in Dothan, his brothers see him coming. And they hate him so much 
that they desire to murder their own brother. If these young men, middle-aged men by this time, whatever the case may be, if they would have dealt with heart issues they already had, if they would have dealt with the jealousy, the hatred building up, we could go through each of the brothers, and at the end of the story on Joseph, we will. If we look at Reuben and the sin that Reuben committed, we look at Levi and Simeon and what they did to the people in Shechem, and thought they got away with. We look at Judah sleeping with his daughter-in-law, thinking she was a prostitute. What great guys, right? But you see all these things. The deeper you go with sin, the worse it gets. And as we look at this, they go from not wanting to even speak to their brother to wanting to kill their very own brother. You see their nature. You see the natural, the true nature of these men in full display. First, they have a desire to kill their brother. They hate him so much, they're willing to put him to death to get rid of him. They ridicule him. They call him, look, the dreamer's coming. There's not, do you see any brotherly love mentioned for Joseph from his brothers? Say, oh, Reuben didn't want to kill him. That's No, he wanted to. He wanted to just leave him in the pit. That's real brotherly love, isn't it? Or man, Judah, Judah really shows brotherly love. Hey, we'll sell him as a slave and make a little money off of him. There's no brotherly love to be found anywhere in this situation. As you look at this, they have no... I think it's kind of interesting. They said, behold, the dreamer cometh. They were really holding on to the dreams that Joseph had. But do you know, if God's going to do something, no one's going to stop what God's going to do? I, they didn't believe in the sovereign power of God. Because that's, that's one of the wonderful things about the Lord. God will take bad situations and work them together for good. And as we look at this and as we go a little bit deeper, we think about this as well. Remember how we talk about Joseph being a type of Christ. You know what, remember what the Bible says about Jesus? In John 1.11, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Do you see the similarity there? They rejected Jesus' message. They desired to see him dead, and they killed him. His own people killed him do you see the similarities between joseph and jesus and church if there's a lesson that could be learned here song of solomon chapter number two verse 15 we don't use song of solomon often in church but there are a few verses that we do mention sometimes but just look at this the little foxes that spoil the vine you let a lot of little things go in your life. They lead to bigger things. Do you know David didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to commit adultery and have a man murdered. No one goes there. These guys didn't wake up one day and say, let's kill Joseph. No, there were a bunch of little things that led. And we talked about David, the fact that he didn't go to war when he should have been gone to war. There were things in his life that led to that. 
And let this be a good example and something for us to keep in our minds that we need to take care of things when they come into our lives. Bible talks about bitterness. Bitterness is a big one. You get hurt by someone, and instead of forgiving and moving forward, you hold a grudge and you get bitterness inside. And the Bible talks about not to let the root of bitterness get in. Because those roots can go all over the place. And it's so important that we watch those things. And so what we see is we see the brothers plot. They want to kill him. Letter B, we see Reuben's proposal. When we get to the end of the story, Jacob gives a blessing to his children. But he mentions the fact that Reuben is unstable as water. He had no backbone. He was weak. But we see here, if anything, Reuben had the greatest reason to want Joseph dead. Remember what we talked about last week, what that coat of many colors represented? The fact that Jacob saw Joseph as the next in line. Reuben was the firstborn. Reuben's the one who should have gotten the blessing there. But Reuben doesn't want to kill him like they do. He just wants him to stay in a pit till he dies. That's much better, right? It's not much better. But what we see is it's just a wicked set of things that's going on in this story here. We see Reuben's proposal, and it's like, just let him die in the pit. He could starve to death, basically. But then you see letter C, you see Judah's plan. And church, this is what happens. We look at people and we wonder, how could someone do something so wicked? Turn on the news. We think that often. How could someone get to the point to where they don't feel anything and could do those things? We're seeing it before our eyes. We allow sin to stay in our lives and continue. We will grow callous to it over time. And when that happens, and we look at Judah's plan right here, and so we see the fact, you, you see, I don't see anywhere, which is interesting, I don't see Joseph begging for his life anywhere. Doesn't say anything about that here. Do you ever notice that? But go to Genesis chapter 42 for a second. And maybe do we have it for the screen? 42, 21. And they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. Therefore, is this distress come upon us? Joseph did cry out. They just tuned a deaf ear to what he had to say. And apparently Reuben goes somewhere. Where Reuben goes, the scripture doesn't tell us. But while he's gone, some Midianite merchants pass by. They're headed to Egypt. And what's Judah's idea? We could just sell him to them and they could take him. Joseph is sold for 20 pieces of silver. Do you know a good slave was worth more than 20 pieces of silver? A crippled slave in those days. 
got more, was worth more silver than what they paid for Joseph. In today's money, it barely would be about 100 bucks. Well, with inflation, it might be 120 now. But about 100 bucks. Selling your brother for 100 bucks. You see, they weren't concerned about the money. They wanted him gone. That's what they were concerned about. Do you, can you think of any similarities between Joseph and Jesus again? 30 pieces of silver, right? Jesus was betrayed for. And you see how, as we think about those things, he was hated by he was hated by his own brothers, wasn't Jesus? His own brother and hated him. Wanted nothing to do with him. And then he's betrayed by one who was said to have loved him. One of his closest disciples. Man, there's a lot of similarities between Jesus and Joseph, isn't there? One thing I want you to remember as we go through these things. The Old Testament, I always give this example and some of you will know what I'm talking about, and some of you young folks in the room will have no clue what I'm talking about. I loved when I was a kid, when I would, my parents would get together with some of their older family members, and they'd pull out those old slide projectors. You know what I'm talking about? And you hear the little ticking noise, and go on to the next slide. But those little slides are so small. You like look at the slide, and you're like, what in the world is this slide? You can't really see it. You hold to the light, but you can't really see it real well. But you put it into the projector, and the projector projects it, and you're like, that's a picture. You can see what was going on there. The Old Testament is like the little slide. You don't quite see everything that's going on, and you don't get it. The New Testament is the projector that shows everything that's going on. And you've got to realize the Old Testament is pointing everything to Jesus Christ. He is the theme of the Word of God. So the Old Testament and these passages, and you look at a guy like Joseph and you think of what he went through in his life, this is all pointing to Jesus Christ. That's what it's doing. And he's a type of that as we look here. And so we see, letter D, as we continue on, we see that Reuben comes back and he's panicked because he looks in the pit and his brother's nowhere to be found. So when Reuben returns, where did his brother go? He'd been sold off. And then we see lastly tonight, number four, we see Jacob's despair. Before Jacob could be in despair, the first thing, though, that we see is the brothers, we see the scheme that they come up with again. Hey, let this be a good lesson. We got a lot of kids. I love on Wednesday nights having the kids. Hey, kids, that's what happens. Do you realize one lie leads to another lie? And a bigger lie. When you lie, you got to keep thinking of things to lie, ways to cover yourself up, right? That's why it's so important. Young people and big people in the room, too, we need to learn to tell the truth. The truth is important. The truth sets us free. The Lord loves the truth, right? Because He is the truth. When we lie, we are like the devil, right? And so, but we see one lie leads to another lie. We see the brothers' scheme here. So the brothers conspire together, and they come up with a plan. What's their plan this time? They're going to um, deceive their father. They take the coat that they despised, tear it up, dip it in blood. And do you see an animal had to die 
because of the wickedness of these guys? A savior had to die because of the wickedness of mankind. There's a lot more I could go deeper right there. But we see letter A, we see the brother's scheme. Letter B, we see the brother's cruelty. They knew how much Jacob loved Joseph. They knew how Jacob would receive the news that their son, that his son had died. There was no compassion for their father in their words. They bring him a blood-stained coat, and they ask him to identify it. They have no heart. They don't care about anyone but themselves and their family. And isn't that, there's a lot of people that way in this world. They care about no one but themselves. They don't care who they have to step on to achieve their goals. And doesn't that go against everything that Jesus stood for? Man, today in chapel in our Christian school for our young people, we went over the story of the Good Samaritan today. The two great commandments, to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. The second is like unto it, thou, or thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. None of us have ever had a problem loving ourselves. It's just a natural thing. We like ourselves. That's just the way it is. We're supposed to treat others the way we like to be treated. And that's an important thing to pick up on. And that's, as we look at this passage and we see they only cared about themselves. But hey, Christian, how many times in our lives today do we do the same thing? Christ has called his people, he's called the church to be different. Our walk with the Lord is to, it's supposed to be, we're supposed to place others above ourselves, right? Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 The scripture tells us, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Hey, our walk and what God's called us to should be to help others bear their burdens. Galatians 6, to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's what the Lord has for us. That's what he wants us to do. We see as we look at Jacob's despair, we see the brother's scheme, we see their cruelty. Let her see, we see Jacob's sorrow. Jacob recognizes the coat. He knows it belongs to Joseph. And he believes his son is dead and been killed by a wild animal. He has no clue of his own children that sold his brother off or son off and then we see letter d and lastly tonight we see the brother's shame the bible tells us in verse 35 and all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him what a bunch of hypocrites they didn't even tell their dad the truth they lie about all these things and then they rise up to comfort him. But I'll tell you something. Jacob had to live with something every single day. But Joseph's brothers had to live with something every day as well. 
Bible says here that Jacob had grief. He grieved every day over his son. But do you know what Joseph's brothers had to live with? Guilt. The power of guilt. Guilt will eat you up until the problem is dealt with. Maybe there's something tonight in your life that you feel guilty about that you're holding on to. Think about, the, about what the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, verse number 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What a story so far. We start out seeing what a mess Joseph's family was before he was even born. Then we saw last week Joseph has some dreams, and maybe God's going to do some big things in his life. And then tonight, as we end, we see the fact that Joseph is gone. He's sold as a slave and headed off to Egypt in chains. Jacob's heartbroken. No one can console him. His son is gone. The brothers are eaten up with guilt. You look at this story, the great dreams that Joseph had, the great things that God was going to use Joseph to do, and you look at the story and you say, it's hopeless. It's done. But I want to remind you of something. We have the whole book so we know how it ends. And may I just remind you tonight that behind the scenes of this terrible tragedy, the unseen hand of God is at work in Joseph's life. And someday, the dreams that he had, those dreams will be fulfilled. His brothers will bow down before him, and Joseph will save his entire family and the entire tribes of Israel. But I'm sure it didn't seem like that. He was walking in chains headed toward Egypt. Sure, Jacob didn't know what was going to happen with his family when his son had died. All these things take place. May I just remind you tonight, there are times in life where things look hopeless. Times in life where we're like, this can't, how is God going to work in this situation? There'll be times where there are shattered pieces of our dreams will lie around us. You're like, I, had, I thought this was going to, I did not expect this in my life. I didn't expect my family to split the way it has. I didn't expect this. I didn't expect to lose my job. I didn't expect life to do this to me. But may I remind you tonight, as the story here will tell us later on, that you got to understand something. In times where it seems like our dreams and our lives are shattered before our very eyes, we need to not lose hope and hold on to the precious promises that God's given to us in His Word. Those promises of Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Not all things are good. They will work together for good. We look at Joseph's life, 
Was it good to be sold as a slave? Was it good to be hated by his brothers? Were these things good? And remember later on at the end of the story, Joseph says, hey, hey, bros, you guys meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. And God did that with it. And so maybe you're somewhere in your life tonight and you're thinking, I just don't know what to do. Know that God's there and that he works all things together for good. I also think about Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his ways. The Lord will get you where you need to be. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not until I don't understand. You say, Pastor, I just don't understand how I'm going to, I don't understand what's happening. Just trust him. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy path. Job in his life, in Job 23, 10, he says, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You got to realize tonight, we don't see things the way God sees them. We see things how they look to us tonight. But you have a Heavenly Father who's over everything, and He sees it all. He knows it all, He sees it all, and He will get you through wherever you're at tonight. As we look at these things, I don't know where you're at tonight. But with the Lord, there's always hope. His unseen hand. There are so many times in my life where it's like, I don't know how this is going to get any better. God works and God does what he does best. One of my favorite books in all the Bible is the book of Esther. But do you know in the book of Esther, the name of God's not mentioned one time? Not one time. So why is it in the Bible if God's name's not mentioned? Because as you read about Esther and Mordecai and Haman and all these different people and the king and how he reads the history books of his people a certain night, right before, and all these things, God's hand is all throughout the story, working behind the scenes, working things out. That's what God's doing in Joseph's life tonight. His brothers wanted to kill him and do him wrong. And God says, I see what they're doing. I'll make it all work out. That's what God does. I want to make sure you understand something, though, as we close. God did not lead Joseph's brothers to sin. They chose to do what was wrong. God was able to take their wrong and work with it. God could have done it a multitude of other ways if they would have done things right. It didn't have to be done this way. But God's will will be accomplished. There is nothing that man can do to stop God from working and to accomplish his will and to do with us as he sees fit. That should be an encouragement to our hearts tonight. In the world that we live, God's will will get done one way or the other. God's God is sovereign. God knows what he's doing. 